In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Um, this next one is about personal prayer, spiritual rules, um, and physical considerations. So things to, um, to think about how to go about doing all of this, essentially, or different ways to do it, um, because sometimes that's the challenge um, in prayer life, is how to, how to pray. Um, so as we said at the very beginning, is, is you learn to pray by praying, um, there really is no other way to learn how to pray. Um, so, what you also need to understand is that the strength, and like I could not be more emphatic on this, and I've been reamed out by Wooden Lazarus multiple times for this, um, the strength of your spiritual life is directly proportional to the strength of your prayer life. Um, and the less you pray, the inversely more you will have issues um, in your spiritual life. Because it is the core. This is the communication that we talked about in the first lecture. This is our link to God. So if you break the link to God, you will not have a strong spiritual life because you're not talking to Christ, you're talking to yourself. Um, and you're dealing from only yourself. And that is ego. And that is the opposite of um, our relationship with Him is that we said that we have need for him because we're his kids. Um, so we need to understand that because almost every single person who says my spiritual life isn't so hot right now or like I'm not really feeling it or not whatever, like if you ask them, where is your, where is your prayer life? It's non-existent. Um, or it's extremely weak or it's repetitious, like one or two liners that have no heart. So it is absolutely vital that we work on our prayer lives. And... Because of this, the relationship between your strength and, and your prayer life, the same is true of your church. Because if the people in the church are not praying, then the service in the church will be weak. And if the priests aren't praying, then you can understand that the guidance of the church will be weak. And if the bishops aren't praying, then we have an even more big musibah. Um, and if monastic life is weak, like all of this is compounded. So this is why persecution has usually done well for our church. It's because it's made everybody go into the room and pray. Um, because like we said earlier, the beggar doesn't need to learn how to beg. When you're in a position where it's like, no, there's, there's nothing you can do right now other than really pray. It brings out the best in us. Um, but we don't need to come to that state all the time of needing to be like the sword at our throat because the sword is at your throat. The world is at your throat. The world does want to swallow you. You do have an enemy, which is the devil, who does want you to die. The devil is not your friend, no matter what he pretends. And so a lot of us don't understand this or don't believe this. Uh, we had good scary stories last night. But the reality of the situation is that if you believe in a God, and I hope that everybody here does, then you also believe in the devil. And the devil is not looking for an individual fall. The devil doesn't care if you just said a bad word today. Um, the devil is looking to have you permanently because he hates your dad. He hates the Heavenly Father. And so to him, anything that is rebelling against the Heavenly Father is a victory to him. He doesn't care about your, your personal state other than to rub it into God's face. That's why he's called our accuser. Um, he wants to say, see, even them, no, 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 no. So, like, you threw me out, but these guys suck even more. I, they did this, they did this, they did this. So, 
we need to work on our spiritual lives. The the the, the foundation of it is prayer. Um, otherwise, all you're doing is talking about him and never to him, which means that you probably are saying something that's not true. So we'll come to the concept of a prayer rule. Um, and um, what it means, what it's for, why we have them, because people are like, that's lame that you have rules for that, I can just pray whenever I want. Um, thanks, tips, yes you can, um, but that's why well, we want to understand more about what the point is. So a prayer rule is a mix of different things. We talked about different forms of prayer, um, and, and a prayer mm-hmm. rule needs to incorporate these things. And a prayer rule, we call it a rule or a canon, but it's meant to be more of a guide. It's not something that's supposed to be there as this restrictive thing to prevent you from expressing yourself. Um, the idea of a rule is that anybody, like we said yesterday, who thinks that they can just like pour forth from the fountains in their hearts day and night is kidding themselves. Um, and so we're going to have days where you, we don't feel like praying. And we're going to have days where we just we just want to do the absolute minimal. And there are days where we're going to do a lot more than that, and that's good as well. So the idea of the prayer rule is to instill in us the sense and the need for consistency. We don't grow if we're not consistent. Um, and consistency is what brings forth fruits, right? If you try to water a plant for a day or two and see flowers, not, it's not going to happen. Right? There needs to be a continual growing. And even that plant, if you don't do it for years, it'll never become a, a, a full tree. Like there's, there's a need for us to do these kind of things if we want to see growth. Or like we said, like the dudes go to the gym. If you go for a day or two, sorry, you, you don't see results. There needs to be consistency. There needs to be changes. There's an aspect of diet. There's an aspect of discipline. There's an aspect of getting up early when you don't feel like it. Um, and so it means fighting yourself and your own desires and emotions and things that you want to do. So that's why we need to have a prayer rule. Um, But within that prayer rule, there also needs to be flexibility and freedom. And that's something that we do sometimes forget. um, And that we sometimes like neglect to discuss. um, And that makes people hate the rule. um, Because it's just like, I don't want to do this. I'm not in the mood for this. I'm in the mood for something else. Um, And so we, we need to find out how to do that. Because there are different periods of, of prayer. Sometimes there's going to be periods where you are on fire, just naturally. There's a visitation of grace, um, and you find that prayer flows very naturally, and you can stand up, and you actually really can, for, for days, weeks, sometimes even months at a time, um, do things. And you might even find that your warfare is less. Sins that you used to have control you are not for a period of time. And it's a wonderful feeling, and it's great to know that there's a possibility of this. And it's good to experience the joys of this, to know what is attainable and what is also real, that it isn't just a theory, it is a possibility, um, and that it and that it is immensely joyous. Um, and then there are, are periods where y- you'll struggle, and you've tried a lot, and there's reasons for these different things that um, we can talk about. So, like... I remember um, in the monastery when I joined as a novice, I uh, I absolutely loathed the Agbeya, Um because suddenly it was like not a, a really modest rule that my spiritual father in Canada had given me before I entered, where it was just, okay, just do this, and if you want to do more, great, no problem. But it was like, nope, you're going to do the whole thing. Um, so like all eight prayers, because there's the prayer of the veil for monks, 
um, you end up doing something like 150 psalms. And then you do it again with the whole magma, like with the whole community of monks, because you're going to do it in like before Bekir, you're going to do it at Ghurub. And I'm like, again, like we just prayed this. And then within the psalms, um, you'll learn if you're doing the whole Agbe very quickly, which psalms get repeated a billion times. Um, so like there's some psalms that get said in the first and the third and the sixth hour. And then there's psalms that get said in the first and the third and the ele- and the uh, veil prayer and in midnight. Um, so like it just got really, really repetitive. And all I could think was, so like, when am I going to actually pray? Um, because right now I'm just like zipping through this to be able to complete this book. Um, and just looking at it would like really irritate me like by a couple of months in. And we're going to talk about the benefit of even having done that because it wasn't all to waste um, either. But the reason why, why that came up is that I, all I could think of was I need freedom. Like I need to be able to put this down and just pray. Like If I feel moved to pray, then I need to be allowed to do this. Um, and what about my Bible? What if I want to meditate? But if I have these prescribed lists of things that I must do, where you must read this number of chapters from the Old Testament and this number of chapters from the New Testament, and then because you're a novice, you must read the Bustan, and then you must also do your spiritual reading, and then you must also attend all of these things, and you must go to work. And it's like, okay, I feel like a robot. Um, so it was like boot camp. But that created this need for, for, for freedom. At the same time, what I did find is that when I when I left the monastery for for the brotherhood, which is still a monastic community, uh, but now there's this element of service. Um, I took it on the spiritual father, and I'm like, I hate the Igbeya. Like, just don't tell me to do what I was doing again, or I will cry. Um, and he was, I was like, I love the Psalms, I really, really do, but I'm just so sick of them. Um, like, I, 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 if I, if I pray Psalm, like, we don't need to go into which one ever again. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna break down. And so he was like, no, 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 no. He was like, let's, like, let's relax a bit. Um, and he was like, where do you progress? Where, what gives you most life right now? Um, so we went through those different things because we have tazbaha, right? We have the salis, we have the psalms, we have personal prayer, we have spontaneous prayer, we have praying in front of icons. And then one prayer that we didn't talk about earlier on that is absolutely real and I've experienced is silence. Um, is that you can reach a point where there's nothing left to say. Your heart is simply in the presence of God. And it's one of the most beautiful prayers in the world. It's probably my, my favorite. And we're not always in a state where we can do that. Um, but all of those things are ways of expressing the heart and being in the presence of God and speaking to Him. Um, and so what he said to me is, but you need to also understand that you have to have a full meal, right? So like you can't also just pick and choose and be like, I, I don't like these. No, you have to have your vegetables, you have to have your fruits, you have to have your carbs, and you have to have your protein. So all of these different ways of prayers and all these different spiritual exercises are the different foods um, that, we, that we have. So when he lifted the barriers from it, I'm just going to be t- totally honest. He, he was like, okay, he gave me some guidelines for um, Egbeya and when, depending on what went on with the service or liturgy, to, to even, to, to, I don't want to say not do certain things, but when things were acceptable to be easier on. I'm on the other extreme. I just like neglected. I'm like, nope. I was like not doing Egbeya. I'm going to just pray this and this and this, and I'm going to do this because he said it. I missed it. Like, I actually found myself really missing the Igbeya because what I did not know is what the Igbeya was doing as a filter to my brain. Um, is that by doing the Psalms so much, my natural language became the Psalms. 
So, like, whenever there'd be, like, an issue, I'd be like, make haste, O Lord, to deliver me. If I, like, messed up, O Lord, rebuke me not in thine anger, neither chastise me in thy hot displeasure. Right? If I'm, like, really frustrated, oh, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? Right? Like, it was just the natural thing off the tongue was all of these psalms that had gone in. Right? When I was trying to discern whether to stay in the monastery or to try this brotherhood thing that sounded so ridiculous to me. Right? It was like... Um, Lord, show me the way wherein I should walk. Because suddenly that morning when I'm praying that psalm, the last psalm of the first hour, this, this sentence became alive. Okay? So as much as I was like complaining and whining and all this stuff, there is a benefit um, that you might not understand or appreciate so long as you are in it, um, but that you are. Um, I think most of you have heard that famous like email forward. Um, I think it was in the Paradise, but I remember reading it, about this basket um, about praying um, and reading over and over and like I benefit nothing and it's like no it's like a basket that you keep filling with water and it's pouring out but you're cleaning it um, it's, a, it's a good analogy um, because you are because I remember when I, I had moved up north as well where I had a very good prayer life um, I'm a nature boy so like being up in the wild and having like you could canoe and kayak out of your backyard like life was good so like prayer life was, was hot everything was nice um, and I had strict rules on myself. Like I was like, you know what? I had, I'm going to come in the morning. I wake up, I'm going to do my prayers and then I'm going to like read something if I can. If not, I had an audio Bible and I was like, I'm only in my car rides going to listen to audio Bible, sermons or silence. Um, and I was like, I'm only going to allow myself on Friday evening <laughs> through Sunday. I'm loosening the, the rules on that. So I'd listen to other spiritual songs. Um, and some secular stuff that I like, which is nothing, like it's not evil to listen to secular things. Um, and then um, on, in the evening, come home, I do my igbeya, prepare my meal, and then I go do my personal prayers, open my Bible to have actual meditation time, keep a journal, and start writing. Um, so it was like, it was amazing. So every thought, everything that I had was a word of God. Right? Like when I'd go back and any of the youth would call me up like with an issue, it'd be like, it was so simple. And I'm like, no, 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 this is so old school, bro. This isn't like this story, this person, this, no, God doesn't do this. And it flowed so naturally. When I moved back down south to like my church after that period, um, and like I was listening to the radio more and like having like really stupid conversations um blackberries are going down and what's better iphone or samsung and all this other stuff that's totally relevant not wrong it's just lame um but <laughs> instead of like having a psalm roll off my tongue right or a bible story right it would be like some song that i heard at at work right so like I just want to warn about the danger of secularization. And um, we might talk about that again um, in the last one, about living prayer. But our prayer rule keeps us consistent and is what helps us grow. If you're not consistent, you aren't, you aren't go you're not going to grow. So when it comes to personal prayer, let's talk about that first. Um, actually, before I do that, there's a couple of important things about a prayer rule that, from uh, some of these fathers that I wanted to say. Um, St. Theophan says this about prayer rules. When prayer begins to grow weak, increase its fervor by reading or meditation. Rules are necessary 
for those who enter a monastery and for non-monastery people too. Um, but he was writing this to monks, that's why he's talking about it. In order to make them accustomed to monastic activities and occupations. But later when they have attained certain inner perceptions and especially warmth in the heart, rules cease to be strictly necessary for them. Generally speaking, we should not be too much attached to rules, but should preserve freedom in regard to them having only one intention, to keep our attention directed in adoration towards God. So again, remember the point of the rule is about adoration. We don't do a rule for the sake of a rule, right? Like that's not the point. And as we grow, your heart already responds to different things, which is why when I look at some of these sayings that I was talking to you guys about last night, um, there's one saying, I'm like, he's constantly, like there's psalms rolling off his tongue, but he's not standing up to pray the Igbeya, he can't. But his life is a prayer. Um, and he was he his rule when he was younger like I, I I couldn't handle it now like there's no way, um, so we we need to understand what the rule does and how it lets you grow until the heart becomes sensitive. But those of us who think that no no I already figured it out no what you think is your heart being prompted by God is probably just your emotions. Um, Saint John of Constance says if you have not the time if you don't have the time to say all the prayers it does not matter you will receive incomparably greater benefit from praying fervently and not hurriedly than if you had said all your prayers hurriedly and without feeling. But then he makes another comment that seems to contradict it when he says, if you have a rule to read so many prayers, whether they be long or short, fulfill your rule. Read them attentively and do not do God's work with a divided heart of which only one half belongs to him and the other half to your own flesh. Okay, it's about being honest with God. So we do need to have a rule and to be honest with it when there is something that has made us unable to fulfill the rule that was a compulsion upon us that's when it's saying okay then then don't worry but don't rush through it okay so rather than like zip through like a billion psalms because of your your rule but you were out because you were forced to serve for example is different when it was because you're at the Lakers game um then there might be uh, a different understanding of it. So personal prayer. Um, Anthony Bloom, in the books that you guys read, spent a decent amount of time on this. Um, first of all, you have to choose a prayer. And this is very important because you are speaking to somebody. Um, when you're in a relationship with somebody, you try and choose the right words that you're going to speak. Um, so what you pray has to make sense to you. It cannot be random words. Um, so he actually writes this and I'm glad he wrote it because I felt the same way at some point I thought I was sinning to think it I must admit that the perusal of manuals of prayer very often leaves me very uneasy I feel that if God was really present concretely there in front of me I would certainly not dare to make all these flat discourses to him and tell him things about himself that he has known for a long time before I ever came into the world um, whereas like, like really what is the point of this to like just tell him who he is um so it's a difference between just saying words and meaning words and praising, okay? So we need to find words, he says, that are worthy of you and worthy of God. Um, because if they're good enough for you, they're good enough for God. But if they're not good enough for you, then why do you think they'd be good enough for God? So if you were in a relationship with a normal human being and you just walk up to them and you just say random sentences what do you expect their reaction to be like 
I don't know if I'd laugh or just walk away. Like if somebody just shouts randomness at me, right? Like we 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 like see people with mental illness do things like that, and it makes us uneasy. But we're doing it to God. Like we're like we just pull up this random like, mm-hmm, yeah. Uh, oh thou who art and um, uh, and you can't pronounce half the words that you're saying, um, and then you're like saying it to him like good good job. Like who did you impress? Like he already knows who he is, um, and you don't even know what you said. Um, and and you will not leave this prayer fulfilled. Like we we, we can't do that. That's why like I I'm, I feel strongly about their praying in a language that one understands. Because if you're shouting in a random language at God, what are you saying? Like then we, like you're just speaking in tongues. Like mabruk alik. But like but even for speaking in tongues, Paul was like, if you don't have a translator, shut up. Um, in fact, he said, if you don't have a translator, even if it's prompted by the Holy Spirit, shut your mouth. That's a very bold thing for St. Paul to say. He's saying, even though it's the Spirit who gave you this gift, shut your mouth. Because everybody must understand. Because how do you say Amen at the giving of thanks, which means Eucharist? How do you say Amen, I believe, this is true, if you don't even know what you said? We can't shout random words at God. We cannot. And that's true of liturgical prayer and it's true of your private prayer. If you don't know what you are saying, then learn what you are saying. Slow down and understand them, translate them, and do this. Because you have to choose the words that are, are correct. And he gives a story about this, of the story of that of the, the milk, right? Of that shepherd guy, it's like an apocryphal story um, in the Judaic tradition about Moses and some shepherd. And the shepherd used to take some milk every day and he'd put it out in the wilderness and say, this is my offering to God. And then he'd wake up in the morning and the milk was gone. He's like, see, God drinks my milk. Um, and he was happy because this was his offering. This was his language, right? This was his service. This was his, his two mites of the widow um, in modern, la- in modern uh, uh, comparisons. And Moses is like, no, you idiot. <laughs> God is a spirit. <laughs> he doesn't drink milk. Um, and so the guy is upset. And he goes, no, he does. I, every single day I come and my milk is gone. Um, and so he's like, no, it's not because he drinks it. Like, obviously something else is going on. So the guy stays up late and he sees that an animal came and drank the milk. And he's heartbroken. He was like, I thought my milk was for God. Um, and God rebukes Moses. Um, and he was like, I shared his gift that he gave me with other people. Why are you upset? Like, yes, he offered it to me, and I gave it to somebody else that needed it. So why are you upset? This is the language of that man. Leave him alone. Okay? So we all have our own language, and we need to speak in that language because we have to be real. Because you can't fool God because he already knows you. He's known you before the foundation of time. Um, So be yourself. Do not worry about sophistication. You need to be simple and honest in your offering with God. Um, give him all of the intelligence that you can muster um, w- while still maintaining and retaining your own personality. Um, and you need to put these prayers into a, a physical way of expression. Okay, um, For some this is matanyas, for some people this is standing, for some people this is kneeling. Uh, but the body is expressing something. Um, and you can choose any one of these ways. There's not a rule, you don't have to stand. Um, maybe kneeling is where you really feel an adoration before God. That's okay. okay. Um, as long as it is a real offering, then God is going to accept it from you. Um, 
So ask yourself what words of prayer make sense for you to offer to God, whether they're your own or those of other people. Um, ask yourself how much do these prayers touch my heart? Um, to what extent are you capable of concentrating your mind on them? Because if you're not able to be attentive to the words that you're saying, then you're not going to be able to do it in prayer, and God's not going to be putting up with them either. Um, because he says a very scary sentence that will come across again when he says, these people worship me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Um, so he's like, no, I mean, anybody can recite prayers to anybody. Um, so how can he receive them as an expression of love from you if you do not put your heart into it? Your heart must be in the prayers. That's what we keep on emphasizing. The mind enters the heart, and the heart has to speak. Um, otherwise, you're just being courteous, right? Yeah, here, God, here's my, uh, here's my speech for the day. Um, and if you learn to use a prayer, you have chosen at moments when you can give all your attention to the divine presence and offer God this prayer, Gradually what happens is that the awareness of God grows within you so to such an extent that whether you are with people listening, speaking, or whether you are alone working, this awareness is so strong that even if you are pe with people, you will still be able to pray. This is a very real experience, okay? Is that if you are able to find the words that you express and you are coming into His presence, you will be overwhelmed by the fact that He is ever-present at all times not just when you choose to actively go into prayer mode, this three-minute offering that you give for some reason, but you have started to give him real time and real attention, he becomes very alive. Um, and he gives two analogies of this, which were really good, is that um, he's talking about like a great joy or great pain that's with us day in and day out. So like, for example, when somebody is like, um, getting married or is in love, right? They're just, they're bubbling with joy. They're almost irritatingly happy, right? Um, and so they're constantly, like, in a good mood. You could tell them, like, you know what, like, your eyes burnt down. It's okay, don't worry about it. Because um, I've got, like, this person that I really care about. Um, but it's something that is with you. And the same, and the flip side, when you've lost somebody that you love, like, no good news can bring you happiness. You're just in this constant state, and it's, per and it's persistent, and you, and you have to force yourself through the day. Um, and it's a very difficult time. This is the kind of thing that is possible to happen with the presence of God, where you are aware that in spite of everything, that we're in this room, that you're talking, you're playing, all these things, you're in the presence of the Lord. When you do this, you are living in a state of prayer, because you constantly are aware um, of His reality. Um, so like we said, choose the prayer, make sure that it is worthy of yourself, worthy of God, um, and this might require you to go through different prayer books. Um, I know that, like, I was experimenting with a whole bunch of different prayer books. I took it an Eastern Orthodox one. I went to Catholic school for, like, four years. I, they've got some prayers that I, I absolutely love um, and, and still use, um, and that's not heretical. Um, so we have the ability to go through these. Find things that you can, you can, that touch you and that are worthy of you and worthy of God and say, okay, no, this one is good. Here's a good prayer for when I'm sorrowful. Here's a prayer that really touched me when I was happy. But you need to use them to find that, right? Even like with the Agbeya prayers, as you're going through the 12 Psalms of each hour, the 19 and Prime or whatever you're doing, um, switch them up here and there. Um, so that you can find out which ones relate to you, but then use them a lot. Because we're going to talk about the importance of memorizing. Um, but, Go through them. Funnily enough, like despite my complaints to the Igbeya, I ended up always coming back <laughs> to the Igbeya uh, because it, it really does work. I was using an Eastern Orthodox book, and I was like, I wanted to like it just because it wasn't what I was used to using. And I'm like, this is the exact same. Um, and, I, and I was like, I don't know what I'm trying to run away from. Let's just go back to, to what I know and what I grew up with. 
Um, so God needs to be important and meaningful to you first. If He is not, you will not be able to present yourself or your prayers before the Lord. So we need to come to a moment of faith where we actually believe in Him and His presence. Um, if you are inattentive to the words you pronounce, if your heart does not respond to them, or your life is not tuned in the same direction as your prayer, it will not reach out Godwards. This is very important. Okay? Because if you are praying for something that you do not mean, that is not prayer. If you're saying, Oh Lord, oh Lord, please like save me from, from fornication. Um, and meanwhile, like you're texting like the guy that you're going to hook up with, or the girl you're going to hook up with. Sorry, you don't mean it. Right? Or the guy's like, I'm struggling so much like with pornography and he's like paid a subscription to Playboy, right? And it's like, yeah, Habibi, it's automatically coming to you. Maybe you should cut that, right? But if you're praying to God for something that is not in line with your actions, you're, you're lying. And you will not feel the presence of God in your prayer because you are not coming to Him completely. You are coming to Him with only a portion of yourself. It's one thing to fall in sin. It's another thing to plan a sin. And it's one thing to want to struggle with sin and ask to be freed from it. Another thing to submit to the sin and say, God, save me. No, God can give you the tools that you need if you are actually willing to fight. But if you are not willing to fight, then don't ask Him. It is better to not ask for something you don't mean than it is to be a liar before God. And this is where the Bible comes in because we see that in His personality. Look at Him when people come to Him with, with fake requests. Or look at, for example, people are like, oh Lord, what is your will? What is your will? And he's like, they don't care. They don't want it. Um, and he, he says something very, very, very scary um, in, um, in Kings when they're like, to go to war or not to go to war. And they pull up all these paid prophets that come in and like, yeah, go to war. You will have success. Good job, bud. And then he was, he was, it was the king of Judah actually allying himself with the king of Israel, the, of the north. Um, and so... The king of Israel was like, are there no other prophets here? And he's like, there's one, but he always tells me stuff I don't like. Um, and it's okay, bring him in. And he comes in and he goes, yeah, yeah, go to war. And he goes, you're lying. You never have anything nice to say. He's like, yeah, you're going to go and you're going to die. Um, and so he was like, see? Um, <laughs> and so he was like, and he goes, he goes you're going to die. And he puts him in prison. And he goes, the Lord judge between you and me. Um, and he goes, and the Lord is my witness. If you come back from war alive, if you'll be able to do this thing. And he went and he was killed. But then God said something very, very scary. He said, I will put a lie on the mouths of my prophets. That's very scary. Because he says, because they do not seek my will. They are seeking after their own hearts and they want the prophets to confirm what they want in their own hearts. So a warning on prayer, be honest. Like if you're going to come to pray, be honest because he already knows and he's not condemning you. He condemns the liar. He does not condemn the person who is honestly saying, I'm struggling, I'm weak. I want to want the right thing. That's fine. That's an honest prayer. But we cannot come... Um, with fakeness. If your heart does not respond to what you are saying, then do not say it. Spontaneous prayer. We spoke about spontaneous prayer a little bit. Um, these come at moments we have become vividly aware of God. And these are real. Like These are very real and they're one of the best prayers for us. Um, and it brings us into really dramatic acts of worship or joy or sorrow or repentance. Like There's different extremes and they're great. Um, but um, they're not maintainable because we're not always in these moods. 
Um, and our prayer life can't be based just on spontaneous outbursts of emotions. Um, we don't pray to sustain a mood. This is very important. We don't pray to sustain a mood. We're praying because we're talking to God. Nobody in a real relationship talks to somebody just because they're hoping for a particular mood. Like, we don't come into a, a conversation with an agenda, right? Like, we don't like, I'm going to talk to this person right now because I desire to feel serious. I am now going to speak to this person because I desire to laugh. We're just normal. Sometimes we laugh and sometimes we're serious. If we're down, maybe, yes, we'll want something in particular. But other times, we actually don't want someone to cheer us up. Sometimes we just want to vent. Um, like, no, 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 don't, don't give me an answer. Just listen to me and that's it, right? We, these are the realities of our states. So this is true of prayers as, as well. There's going to be periods when we're neither at rock bottom nor are we at the top of a mountain, um, and we still need to do something about prayer. Um, and so we might not be able to do this spontaneously, but we still need to do it with conviction. And that's the importance of finding those prayers that you relate to, because it's during those moments that you can say, yes, I might not have my own words today, like to pour out in front of you, but these words mean something to me. I definitely can feel what David did here. I do feel what St. John of Kronstadt said here. I do feel what Padre Pio said when he was in this situation. I do. And so I am pouring these out for you. Yes, they were their words, but these are now also my experience, and I offer them up to you. This is a good thing. There's nothing wrong with this. So just like when Christ said, when you pray, say, Our Father, they were not their, their words. He taught them it. Um, Siri's not available. Um, <laughs> Siri can teach you prayers. Um, so Christ says, those who love me will keep my commandments. Right? There's something that Anthony Bloom says. He says that he does not say, if you love me, you will go from one emotion into another, um, or one state of rapture into another. What does that mean? He's saying consistency. Okay? That is the way of showing the love. Because the keeping my commandments is love. Right? Because when they asked him, well, what is the greatest commandment? He's like, it was love of God. And the second is like unto it is the love of neighbor. And they said, oh, you've done a good job, Lord. Like they're talking to some four-year-old. Like, good job. Um, they're like, because truly on, on these, the whole um, law and the commandments are hung. Right? That's why the, the whole commandments are concerned with love. But the keep my commandments acknowledges for us that we're not always going to be in the mood. But consistency is a way of showing love. Right? In the same way... Um, that like a married couple like sorry like you have the honeymoon phase and then you're all like lovey-dovey and the butterflies in your stomach and then there comes a point of time where you're just normal it doesn't mean you love them less so if the dude comes home and he's tired and exhausted and he was on call all of last night and then worked into the morning he comes home and he's not in the mood to talk and he just puts his feet up right is that the right time to tell him like you don't love me because you didn't come in with a hug and you didn't blah 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 and it's just like right now I just want to eat and go to sleep right like that that's all that's that's in me right but like you don't need these ups and downs and highs and lows and all this stuff like to prove the love the love is in the consistency it's in the continuing to care for one another it's in the continuing to sacrifice for one another in spite of whatever moods you go through there's a consistency so that's spontaneous prayer um, and ready-made prayers and their, and their uses. Um, 
But it's very important for us to learn by heart enough meaningful passages to us. So that in those periods where you have certain moods, where you're not able to express your own words, that you can spontaneously pour out these other prayers. Right? That's why I was saying when I was in those prayer moods, I could just immediately come out with words that were not my own, but they were my own. They were definitely expressing the state of myself before God. Is that if we don't memorize them, then it's difficult. Um... I remember actually even once, like, um, I was being mugged in Canada, which is rare because we don't have crime in Canada, um, in Toronto. Um, and there was an overwhelming sense of peace. There's like, it was me and a friend, and there's two guys with like a machete and something else. Um, and it was like a, a two hour, um, it was a two hour, two and a half hour, like, ordeal because we had to like walk to a bank together and it was involved. But, um, God gave this peace, right? But right away, like, like I, I couldn't explain it. Immediately, I was reciting psalms in my head the whole time, like even while talking with them, right? And then this sense of peace, like, affected one of my muggers. So I'm like talking to my mugger about salvation and eternal life. Um, and like, so the mugger behind me is like, what's going on here? And I'm like, we're, just, <laughs> we're just talking. Um, but like, because the peace that can come from prayer and this reality, but like, because these prayers were real to me, right? They are what came out naturally. Not like a whole bunch of choice French words, okay, as Canadians. Um, it was, it was, it was good holy words that affected not only myself, but the people that are around me, even the ones who were doing evil. Right? Um, and that, like, by the end of it, it was like, yeah, see you later, hope you're well. Um, like, and it was, and it was good. But if we have this sense of inner prayer, right, it helps you overcome any situation, right? I have no doubt that the Holy Spirit taught those 21 martyrs what to pray on their walk to their death. I have no doubt that they were praying, right? Is that we have a, a sense of internal peace. So we need to memorize the prayers so that you can live the prayers. Um, a prayer only makes sense if it is lived. Um, if they're not lived, um, it's just a polite exchange of words that you give to an acquaintance. They're not the words of life between people who love one another. Um, the same way that we're all making nice to random people here, which is which is which is good. But all of us, like, let's face it, like, unless you're you're tight and from the same churches, or you're making an effort to see each other regularly, you're just gonna like forget until you meet again. And it's like, oh yeah, yeah, I liked him, right? Which is not a bad thing. Like, but when it comes to God, that's not the relationship that we have. It's not a polite exchange of formalities of like, yes, it's a, been a pleasure and it's wonderful and uh, I'm thinking of you. Um, and then you walk away. This has to be real words that we live. Um, so this is true of the prayer and it's true of your Bible part because we're using the Bible to pray. Um, if you're reading the New or the Old Testaments, when you find something that strikes you, then, then, then use it. Make it become part of your, your prayer and something that you live. Um, and apply it as ruthless, ruthlessly as you can, either throughout the day or throughout the entire week. Um, so like, for example, if you're looking at, uh, we did Samaritan woman last week. Um, when you look at how God dealt with the Samaritan woman, right? Like when you meditate on the words of the Bible and you think to yourself, wow, like I was not expecting this to be God's response. Like today, if some if some lady was like, yeah, I don't have a husband, and it's like, yeah, <laughs> you had five, um, and the person you're living with is not your husband, 
why would most people in our church react? Like, if I demini, right? And it's like, stay away from my kids. Um, and you're just like, she's bad. Like, she's really, really bad. I hope she doesn't, like, come a lot, right? Like, we are, we're, we're nasty. Like, we're ruthless, right? Where God's response to her was, well done, well said. Like, you, you spoke the truth. Good for you. He found something positive and somebody who's got a very bad life, okay? And he's the only one who has the right to judge. Like, he is the one who has the right to judge, and he didn't. He praised her, right? Take that and be like, wow, Lord, this is not the encounter I was expecting. Okay, I'm going to try this week as much as I can to find the good in everybody, especially the ones who don't deserve it. Right, because the Jews and Samaritans were enemies. They were anathema. For him to even touch, and John even writes, for a Jew to touch the water vessel of a Samaritan was considered was considered to be defiled. Right, and it's like, no, give me some water. He offered her a chance to serve this bad person. God was like, no, serve. Who did God have the theological debate with? It wasn't with the disciples. It was with this random sinner lady from Samaria, and like, so they get they get into it deep, right? And then what does he do? He calls her to repentance. Right? Then it's just like, no, I've revealed to you some mysteries. So what you got to do about it? He asks her the questions that she can confess. He's like, so uh, how about you go bring your husband? And that's when it spurs her to say, actually, I don't, uh, I don't have one. Right? But he wasn't dealing with her as though, like, because she's a sinner. And he knew the whole time. Right? Like, it's not like, oh, really, what? Um, he was like, he knew the whole time, but he still interacted with her on her level and didn't dumb things down, assuming that she was retarded. Um, it's like, nah, she's a sinner, she won't know. So take what you read and turn it into a prayer. Okay? I'm going to deal with everybody with respect. Just because this guy is hooked on drugs and I know he's got an addiction doesn't mean that he's retarded. He's going through a hard time. Deal with him like a human being. Because God does, right? So that's what we mean by living the prayer, beyond just reading something and saying, yep, good, glory be to God forever, and slamming it shut. You have to live the prayer. If you don't live the prayer, the Spirit will not transform you. You will not change. Those words are vain. We must live. So those are the things. The next thing that I was going to bring up is our obsession today with emotionalism. Okay, like this is a real, like problem because so many of us are chasing just an emotional high that's not real we need to understand that i'm not saying that emotions are wrong i'm not saying that emotions are bad i'm just saying that our spiritual life cannot be based on emotions and so I know we get into huge debates, and I'm not going to have that debate right now, but there's all these like mudslinging of like, oh, you're like totally non-traditional because you do this and this and this and this. But one of the main concerns, so like, for example, when it's okay, everybody turn out the lights and like pull out your lighters and do whatever, is that we should not be synthetically trying to produce emotions. I'm not anti-setting a mood. So, like, I don't want to be misunderstood um, or be seen as just, like, setting strict rules on random things. That is not the objective here in any way whatsoever. But what are we doing, right? Is that everybody wants to either be laughing hysterically all the time um, or crying all the time, but that's not real life. In real life, there are some ups and there are some downs, but that's not real life. So let's not try and create something that's not there. So for example, if I am not crying every time I pray, that's not a, a wrong thing, okay? If I don't leave the prayer every time and not just be like 
in in some like in in like the seventh heaven. Okay, that doesn't mean that I didn't pray. We said consistency is at one of the deepest forms of love. Why I'm saying that is because sometimes we're being fake. Okay, because we just we want to have that mood. And this is why so many atheists look at the Christians and say, No, you just want a teddy bear. That's all you want. Because once you got that mood, you were fine and you could walk away and be like, No, 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 I felt it. Okay, and so I, again, I'm not against feelings and emotions. They're real and they're created and they're in there for a reason. But let's not artificially induce moods. Like, consider, for example, our normal conversations with one another. If every time that I have a conversation with them, I'm like, no, I need to keep that mood of that first time that I talked to them. It was really, really nice. And so since I didn't have this time, like, next time I see him, I'm going to clap in his face as he talks, right? Or I'm going to playing cymbals, or I'm going to sing what I'm saying. Like, finding new ways to induce, like, random emotions. That's not real, okay? You're trying to find an emotion that doesn't express anything, Okay, what excited you in those initial um, encounters was new knowledge. That's what it was. Okay, you learned something new and you loved it and you liked it and that's a good thing. So rather than trying to replicate an old experience, why not seek to encounter a new one? Go deeper. Okay, because maintaining emotions is a superficial thing and God is not superficial. The more that you delve into God, the deeper you're going to go and you're going to find that it's even deeper than you thought because God is infinite. So try and learn something new about 